1: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com. That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. City Chronicles is a Bay production. <music>
0: Is a snippet of an exclusive members-only podcast episode for our Patreon, Chronicles Tifosi. Become a member at patreon.com forward slash Chronicles for regular bonus episodes and content.
2: Ultima preghiera, arriva il cross in mezzo, Milik! 3 Juve! Arek Milik! Cartellino rosso, si è tolto la maglia Milik richiamato al var l'arbitro fuorigioco di Bonucci vediamo rete annullata si rimane due a due rosso per Quadrato e Fazio rissa finale cartellino rosso anche per Max Allegri finisce così è due a due allo stadium tra Juve e Salernitana hi hey everybody and welcome to the Serie A Chronicles podcast It's Mina Kibandini. I've got Mina Rizuki with me. I was going to say as ever, we did have one week without her this week, but it's not without Mina. Mina is here. It's been a bit of a sort of strange week. I almost sort of don't know how to approach this topic off the top. Mina, which is just to say um, Serie A perhaps was even a bit more sort of in the international tension this week, just because there was no Premier League games. There was no Premier League games because the Queen passed away this, uh, this last week. And that was no direct impact on Italy, no direct impact on our Serie A Chronicles podcast. But it just sort of feels like one of those things that you sort of want to acknowledge off the top of the podcast. And I was just saying, wasn't I mean? And like, I feel like I'm, I'm without being sort of particularly even a royalist, I I felt like she was just sort of the queen, the the country's nana. Like she was Britain's sort of grandma and the one that we all got to share. And so it's just sort of a a sad person to lose from your life in some way, even though I've never met her or spoken to her in my life.
0: Yeah. And I kind of just thought she'd be around for all of my life. I don't have to explain. Like yeah. it just never crossed my mind that I, it, it never honestly, despite her age. And I know that, you know, like her husband passing away last year in, in Prince Philip. Um, I just never imagined that there would be a world in which I'd have to say, God save the king. I, I don't know. It, it was so bizarre. Mm. And it happened while I was recording a show and I, and I'm sitting there seeing breaking news, and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, like I can't concentrate on anything else. like this is huge, you know um so yes, it's been um, yeah, it's been it's, it's been, been weird it's
2: been a weird week. It's been a weird it has. week and and I didn't sleep very well last night. Oh well, I was going to say segueing as clumsily as I can because this is a very clumsy segue, but from a weird week to, we had a very weird game of football at the end of Sunday night, Mina. and I think that's why we have to start talking about the actual football this week. Um, Salernitana away to Juventus, and at halftime, Salernitana are winning 2-0. It's the first time in their history they've been 2-0 up at halftime for Serie A game. So this is in the realms of the unprecedented. I think it's the first time since 2004 that Juventus have been behind by two goals in a Serie A game as well, at home, that is. So yes, Saladnitana are doing something they've never done away from home. Juventus is doing something they very rarely do at home. And it feels like the whole sort of world is falling in on Juventus at that moment. It feels like the world is collapsing. Allegri's sort of, uh, the idea of Allegri coming back and being the winner to fix things. I mean, it was already thousands of empty seats there. And you think, gosh, the enthusiasm isn't there. The, the results aren't there. And now... This game, which even Allegri has said, well, you know, you need to get three good results going into going into the international break, is going badly. And then a second half, Bremer scores right away for Juventus. Even then, we get all the way to second half injury time with salernitana still winning. Then they win a penalty. Then the penalty is saved. I mean, that like detail of the drama I think will be completely forgotten because of how much drama happens afterwards. But the penalty is saved. But Bonucci. I thought it did a brilliant job, by the way, to, to get that volley and, and, and score from it. it. was not an easy finish at all, the rebound. Then, in the fourth minute of injury time, corner from the left-hand side, Arkadiusz Milik gets his head to it at the near post. It's going across goal. Leonardo Bonucci goes up for it in the middle, but doesn't touch it. Goes into the far corner. Milik wheels away. He's an absolute Idiot and takes his shirt off, even though he's already been booked, and gets himself a second yellow card for it. But after a huge celebration, we find out that VAR are looking at it. VAR then say, actually, he's off. uh, Bonucci was in an offside position and was interfering with play. I'm not going to try and analyse it all because I need to like not let this monologue go on forever. But that's a decision. We get a bench clearing sort of set two between Salernitana and Juventus. Juan Cuadrado sent off. Fazio sent off for Slayer Tana. As I said, milik has been sent off. Then Allegri is sent off. And at the end of it all, the game ends 2 2. Mina, walk me through your emotions going through, I mean, the whole evening, frankly.
0: Have you ever. Are you one of those people that sometimes when bad things happen, you sort of giggle? And you, you don't know why, but it's like a weird reaction. Sometimes. And you. And sometimes you're like, oh, well, this is awful, but it's really quite funny as well. <laughs> like, as in, with Selena down her scoring. And it, you know what it is? It's because I've, this week has been a lot about my relationship with Juventus fans. I'm, I'm still somebody who on Twitter communicates more with fans of my team mm-hmm. than I probably do with fellow journalists or anything else. You know, like I still talk to people that I had been talking to when I started Twitter and I was, not trying to do anything just speak to people who supported my club you know and you know what fans are like they can be crazy or they can be delusional or unrealistic or have exactly the same feelings as you or super logical or whatever it is I don't know but it's been like a love hate week with that and after PSG I was sort of really done with the whole fandom thing you know because all of a sudden you know we buy Di Maria and Paredes and they think they can squash Messi and and Kylian Mbappé's, oh, this an amazing team. How are we losing to PSG? You know, like, I mean, it's like, get over yourselves, guys. Like, I mean, this is a team that that should have won over Real Madrid and had it not been for like a, a last minute, you know, foul on Donnarumma or whatever it is. Like, it's a really strong team. Like, don't expect like five weeks into a new season for Juventus to beat Juventus. But with with all of all of that, and then Salenutani comes, and they can't do anything against this team that barely survived last season. And I'm thinking, oh, they really are terrible. <laughs> I guess. And, like, and there's still this part of me that doesn't believe it. There's still this huge faith in in my heart that it's fine. It's a goal. Like you know, they'll they'll score. It's fine. It's not a problem. You know, there'll be a goal, and and then Bremer does the handball, and I think. <laughs> okay, this is too 0 Like this, this is this is hard now. Obviously, the, the the comeback for me was one of those moments of elation where I felt a little bit sorry for Salen Antonio just because David Nicola is very, it's he's a beautiful coach. I I love him a lot, and I thought they did a really great job. Although I did think in the second half they sort of gave up on any try on trying to attack in the way that they did in the first half and concentrated on keeping the result, and that was probably their mistake. But I was impressed with Juventus' personality in the first 10 minutes of the second half, and then they dropped off again. And this this swinging back and forth is what I hated. And But the third goal for Milik, for me, was a never-say-die attitude that Juventus once upon a time had. And I thought this is going to be so important for them going forward, especially against Benfica. So I was really happy. And then it was chalked off. And I, and I giggled again, because I just thought this is crazy. Look, it was a terrible mistake, you know, um, and we've seen a lot of these terrible mistakes from VAR, from officiating in general. Last year, I thought Milan were just completely destroyed by everything that was going on. And, and thankfully, they still managed to win the trophy in the end. But we've seen really bad, really bad mistakes. This is another one because Kandreva is playing them all side. But weirdly enough, that's not the main issue, right? The main issue is why do Juventus play in spurts? You know, why are they a team that starts well and falls off or disappears throughout the match? Why are they lacking in confidence? How can this be resolved? And I don't expect it to be resolved. I'm sorry if all the other fans are like, Alec, out and all of this business. It's too soon. But I, I want to know what's going on there. But most importantly, mm-hmm. the reason I couldn't sleep is because, Nikki, I just really dislike Lovage. I dislike him deeply. And I don't <sighs> know... I, I just, I, he rubs me the wrong way. And I just, I know that the boy is talented. I really do. But right now I'd rather have Lukaku on my side and not saying something.
2: Well, I'm going to just quickly sort of, I guess to sort of put a wrap on the um, offside decision. I just want to explain it because I think some people, well, I know some people even today have sort of not known about the Kandreva situation. So what happened on that goal, the header comes across. Bonucci in the middle of the defence is behind the the sort of the central grouping of defenders that you can see from the obvious camera from the first camera angle. Um he's behind them, he reaches his neck for it. It's a really sort of in the reads conversation you can have about interfering with play, because he is reaching for the ball and the current regulations do suggest that you should um award that offside if someone is is trying to play the ball. However, I think you can also make a case that ball is Sepe is not getting anywhere near it regardless. So is he actually affecting play? And that whole conversation, I think, would have been controversial on its own. But then shortly after the game ends, Sky Sport and Italy are like, well, hang on. Why did no one look at this camera angle? And there's another camera angle where you see it from the opposite side of the pitch. And Antonio Candreva, who's gone out towards the, the, the corner flag, is very clearly playing everyone on side. Like, it completely makes it irrelevant because he's, he's very clearly goal side of, of um, Bonucci. And I know people even today, because we're recording this on Monday, who hadn't seen that, because of course not everyone is like us and, and is tracking all these things. So if you're wondering what the sort of scandal is, that's the real scandal, is that actually if they'd even looked at this once from the right camera angle, there wouldn't have been a decision. It would have been a Juventus win.
0: I just want to point out that Allegri does mention this in his post-match. The first thing he says is there's an angle, and if you see it, us playing everyone side." And then what Sky Sports decides to do as well is measure the distance from from the goal line of Candreva and Bonucci to decide whether or not he's playing everyone on side. And by their determination, they did. But according to the Italian officials, they said they have different camera angles and different measurements. And according to them, that's not true.
2: There's always a copper. I mean, for me, I'm I've been quite a defender of VAR. For me, this is this is you know a pretty bad a bad night for VAR. Even though I do think it's hilarious in a sort of <laughs> it is hilarious a footballing tragic way that Arkadiusz Milik got sent off for celebrating a goal that didn't even stand. I do think that's sort of one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen happen. Can that not be reversed? Well, people have put that case to me. Like, you know, shouldn't you know if the goal doesn't stand, yes. then the celebration shouldn't stand um which um you know I, I i just don't know i just think it's funny that's as far as i'm willing to take that one because uh, he is an idiot for taking a shirt off regardless he's been booked so he's going to get himself sent off and suspended regardless oh, yeah, but you, you would do out. that
0: too it's a very human moment <laughs> <I would>. like <laughs> you, it's such a human moment you know and 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 here's the thing because i didn't i didn't get to really you talk about blavish so i'm going to explain this in a little bit more detail yeah
2: I, I do right, want to come back to you on but I just want to I want to, I want oh, to okay. the, the offside first before doing that.
0: Right, then do come back to me. Come back to me on
2: that first. Well, I, I just I, I think um I, I think like it's it's crazy to me on the other side of this how much stick Vlayovic seems to be getting because you're not the only one being critical of him on Really? On or in the media. Yeah, I see all this sort of talk about oh, we only had however many touches in a given game, which I think touches to me is such a sort of Weird metric to talk about with a striker, because let's go and have a look again at Haaland and see how many times he's touching the ball at Man City. The difference is he's sticking in the net every single time he touches it. But but Vlaovic has scored four goals in four games before this. I mean, if you're not happy with a striker who's scoring a goal a game, I feel like you're not going to be happy much, is my feeling on that. You know, he's been scoring goals. And even in this game, Vlaovic actually had a really nice finish. It was offside, and of course he's to blame for being offside, but he actually had a really nice finish in the first half, which um which i think again i don't understand i don't understand people being critical of him for his lack of touches if if his touches are at such a higher rate putting the ball in the net
0: okay what are the four goals in four games which games are these
2: he had two goals against asuolo one against roma and one against spezia yeah you're right
0: actually Vlaavich is a really great footballer. He's a really great forward. And if we had bought him at 30 million, I'd be really, really happy with what he's doing right now. I'd be ecstatic. I have an issue with how much he costs. I have an issue with his inability to read the game. I have an issue with him insisting on doing what he does over and over again and not expanding. That is not to say that if you read the game, you necessarily do the right things, but I'm going to give you an example because you're an Arsenal fan. Gabriel Jesus, yeah, he's been phenomenal. And he's somebody who, if he can't score the goals, and he's going to figure out a way of helping the team, you know? And like against Manchester United, it's like he knows how to do his thing, but he couldn't do what he wanted to do at Manchester United. So he started dropping deep, started to to try to play with the midfield in order to create more possibilities. That probably wasn't the right thing to do, but he's trying to do something else. Now, a good coach, what which I blame Arteta for, sorry, just that I know this is like the Premier League now, but would have probably pushed up the 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 wingers a little bit further to create more of a reference point and to make it all very chaotic in the middle and, and 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 still more attacking but he didn't and he's relying on Gabriel Jesus to do everything Vlaovic just points to where he's going to make a run now in this game in the second half i thought that he played a little bit more so i was a little bit felt a little bit better in the second half when i thought that he started to involve himself But he's always the guy that thinks if he doesn't score the goals, then he's not good enough for the team. And I need him to know that scoring goals is not how you judge a great striker. Why a great striker is a great striker and why Benzema will always be 3,000 times better than you can ever imagine compared to somebody like, I don't know, Lukaku or Mario Gomez, who was a great finisher, but a terrible forward, is because you know how to adjust your game according to the tactics. Which means that you do a great job if you are playing for Borussia Dortmund, like Haaland, or you're playing for Salzburg, or you're playing for Manchester City. You're not always, they're all attacking teams, which obviously helps Haaland as well. But if you are a great striker, uh, then you are somebody that knows how to adapt their game. And with with him, I just feel like all he's always trying to do is touch was off. I don't think he's controlling the, the ball perfectly. He's always trying to strike. And if you are somebody that's being hounded by central defenders, use that to your advantage. Pull them away. Create space. You have Weston McKinney behind you. He's one of the best runners from midfield into the box. He doesn't do enough. And what I get really irritated by is this, I'm frankly, stupid Juventus fans who sit there going like, this poor guy. Do you know how hard it is to be a striker for a leg Really, because Tevez had the time of his life. So did Morata. So did Higuaín. What are you talking about? It's not some wasteland. Milik came like last Thursday and has already scored nearly three goals in 150 minutes. And that should have been a third goal because he mm-hmm. tries harder and he works harder and he tries to figure out a way and he leads from the top, which is why I enjoyed him taking off his, his top because I felt like he was so involved not because it was his ego, but because he wanted to come on and change something and be there and do something. He is actually showing you the experience up front. With Vlaovic, I feel like he's so desperate to score the goals and sometimes doesn't do enough in terms of elevating the play in the final third. Yes, you know, like Mandzukic wasn't always the guy that managed to get the goals. Most of the time he was acting as a left back to plug goals, to plug gaps, sorry, gaps to make sure we didn't concede. I love that. Yes, it's annoying because I'd like him to score more goals, but at the end of the day, you have to figure out a way to be important for your team if you're not managing to break through and scoring the goals. And I don't think he does enough of that. And for 80 million, I damn well expect it. And it's not making me sleep at night because I don't see his game improving and I don't see him showing the ambition that he's trying to improve. Now, if you go, go on Google, on Italian Google at least, and type in Allegri teachers, yeah? You can see how much Allegri keeps him after training and shows him. One of them is how to kick the ball on the volley. There was a perfect opportunity yesterday that he perfectly missed. You know, I mean, it's just it's the direct free kicks that they worked with him for. And that's he's benefited from that. Luckily, he's scored too. But I need him to show that he can adapt. Otherwise, frankly speaking, you are just Lukaku who needs a team that delivers for you while you sit there in point where you're going to make your runs.